Good morning, everybody. How are you doing today? Yeah, all right. Good to see you guys. Man, turn to somebody and say, hey, you're looking good today. Tell them, right? Don't lie to them, but tell them. Tell them. If they don't look good, just, just look at them. How many of you know, you know, whenever you're in a position of authority, like being a pastor, a politician, mayor of a city, anything like that, people want you to kiss their baby, you know, look at the baby, whatever. And so sometimes somebody's like, isn't my baby cute? It's a baby. That's the answer right there, right? It's a baby. That didn't get any laughs. We don't, we love babies. We think all babies are beautiful. No, my children looked like newts when they came out. You know, they, I actually called my son Jack the pugilist because how many of you know what the word pugilist means? <laughs> awesome. It means a boxer. So Jack, he, he looked like somebody had pummeled his face. It was all blue and all of a sudden all puffy. And so I said, this is my little pugilist. And, and he still looks the same. I was hoping he would grow out of it, but it looks exactly the same. You guys are not with me today. I am kidding. <laughs> I am joking. I'm going to move off the baby jokes and into food-related jokes and make fun of uh, myself for eating too much this weekend. How about that? Is that, is that okay with you? Okay. Well, I just want to say welcome to everyone, and so good to have you here. If this is your first time checking out Joy Church, welcome. My name's Jake. I'm the lead pastor here along with my wife, Bethany, and we're so glad you're here. Appreciate your step of faith and just uh, taking that risk to step into a new place and uh, connect with people that you don't know yet, but I hope by the time you leave uh, and I believe by the time you leave today, you're going to really have met some people, made some connections, and God is gonna done, has done something really neat in your life. So I am so excited you're here. Uh, Bethany and I, our anniversary is actually in March. It's, uh, we've been married for 12 years, which is really cool. 12 years, yeah. And uh, I'm shocked that she's put up with me for that long. It's, it's amazing. But uh, we have a wonderful marriage. But, but for whatever reason, in March, like typically things are busy and we don't get to celebrate our anniversary. So we actually ended up celebrating our anniversary this weekend. And we went up to Portland. Uh, we went to a place called Fogo de Chão. Anybody know about that place? Yeah, and I pronounced, I pronounced it correctly. People were like, it's Fogo de Chão. No, it's Fogo de Chão. Try it. Fogo de Chão. There you go. All right. Now, how many of you are aware what this place is? Uh, anybody been to Fogo? Okay, cool. Tom and Rochelle. I expected you guys had been there. Yes. Um, so Fogo, what's cool about this, they give you this little piece of paper. And uh, it's a Brazilian steakhouse, okay? It's a churrasco place. And so you have this little piece of paper, green or red. And, and when you have it turned up on green, these amazing angels from heaven come by, these men, the gaucho chefs, and they all have a different cut of meat. Come on, are you feeling the Holy Spirit in this moment right now? <laughs> so they come by, they, hey, would you like this filet mignon? Would you like this bacon-wrapped steak? Yes, in Jesus' name. You know, would you like this, this pork? Would you like this pork tenderloin? encrusted in Parmesan cheese. Yes and amen. Would you like this caramelized bacon? Yes. Would you like this chicken soaked in wine and garlic and butter? Absolutely. Would you like, I mean, and they just keep coming by. I just left it up green. Like other people turn theirs red. Like I can't handle it. I'm like, I'm going to get it all. You know what I mean? So they come by and then they say, what, what slice, what, you know, do you want it medium rare, rare, medium? You know, you tell them and they slice it right there. You have little tongs and you pull it off. And then there's this whole buffet how many of you are like, what are you doing to us? You know, this has nothing to do with the message. I just, I'm excited about it, right? I, I'm just passionate. And uh, this buffet has all kinds of salads and fruits and veggies, and it's incredible. So we went up there on Friday, and, uh, you know, you have to be like, prepare your stomach to eat at a place like this. And I'll, I, I did not overeat. I actually just ate and tasted everything, and it was, it was really good because we were going to hang out in Portland for the rest of the day. So I didn't want to be sick, you know what I mean, where you're having to get rolled down the street or whatever. But man, it was an amazing experience. So I'm just telling you, hey, if you're ever in the mood for 
you know, really nice, fancy experience eating all kinds of meats. Go to Fogo de Chão. You can sound cool when you say it. It's awesome. And, uh, uh, you know, but, but uh, we had a wonderful time doing that this weekend. And then Penny, uh, her birthday was yesterday, so she's turned four. So then we, we, had, we went from Friday with no kids. The kids are with my parents in Medford. We went from like the, the, the culinary experience, hanging out together, romantic, uh, wonderful day to kids' birthday party on Saturday, cooking hot dogs on the grill, eating junk food and cake and letting kids play and scream. And it was a wonderful time. So that was my weekend. It was a good time. And, uh, you know, I, but even, even all that wonderful stuff, I just get excited about Sunday. Like I get really excited about Sunday because to me, whenever we show up in a, in a moment like this and we're saying, God, we're here to worship you. We're here to connect with you. It's like, we're daring him to do something right? And, and I just want to encourage you to show up every Sunday with expectation. Expectation is like a switch, like a, like a light switch. When you come in with expectation that God's going to do something, that he's going to meet you, he does, you know? How many of you are aware of this? Like when you show up and you're like, man, God's going to do something at church today. He's going to speak to me. I'm going to encounter his presence. I'm going to meet with him. He's going to do something unique in me. Then that's when that happens. And it's a really cool thing. So show up every week with expectation. You know, this morning, my hope and expectation in God is that God is going to speak a word to each and every one of us about our next step. You know, what, which direction? And one of the things I like the least in life is to be confused about where I'm going. How many of you would say, yeah, I don't like that? Like maybe in business, you don't know exactly what to do, what the next move is, or maybe it's just you're, you're going to, to dinner somewhere and you can't find your way. But I hate the lack of clarity, being confused, not knowing where to go. And what I felt from the Lord today was God wants to give you a clear step. Maybe it's not, you know, we would always love to have the whole, our whole life planned out for us. Like I just do this, 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 and this, and then I get, you know, to the end and everything's good. But that's not how life works. That would take all the fun out of it. But God will give you your next step. And I believe he's going to speak to each and every one of us today about the next step that he has for us. You know, one of the things we talk a lot about, in fact, we kind of brand with it here, is we talk about this word next. And you see it over here. We have a thing called next track, which I encourage you to do four-week journey of learning who you are in God and how you fit into the church and what your, your gifts are. But what we really are emphasizing is this idea that there's a, a next step with Jesus, that we're all called to follow Jesus. And no matter where you are on your spiritual journey, whether this is your very first Sunday, you're just barely checking out this Christianity thing, or you've been a Christian for 30 years, no matter where you are on that spectrum, there is always a next step with Jesus. And, and all that we really all that God really is expecting of us or wanting is for us to be willing to follow him on that next step. You see, many people will sort of take themselves out of the game because they're like, well, you know, I, I could never do that, you know, preaching thing where you're, you're talking in front of people, or I could never be the person that leads a group, or I could never be the person that goes and talks to my friends and coworkers and family about Christ, or I could never do, because we're looking way down the road. But, but I, what I want you to do is just take your eyes off of the future and look to the present and say, Jesus, what do you want me to do right now? What is my very next step? And right now we're actually in a series called Follow where we're talking about this concept of, of finding our next step, saying, God, what is it that you want me to do next? What is that next step as I follow you? Because I'll tell you what happens is when you will, will be obedient and just open to taking your next step with Jesus, God will lead you places you could never expect, never anticipate, that blows your mind beyond what you could ask or imagine. Like, it's pretty amazing, but it happens in, the, in each step of obedience, step by step by step, right? And then you'll look back one day and be like, wow, I don't know how I got here, but what it was was saying yes to Jesus step by step. So we're doing this series called Follow, and we're talking about 
the four C's out of Matthew chapter 419, where Jesus said to his, these guys he was calling to be his disciples, he said, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. The four C's that we've been talking about are just the reality that we're called to follow Christ. That's the first one. In the context of community, that we're agreeing to be changed by Christ. That's the third C. And then responding to the call of Christ. But today what I want to focus on is that third C, which is the word change. Now, how many of you, when I say the word change, you immediately are like, oh no. Anybody? I fear change. Like, I don't know about you, but I'm like, I like to plan. I'm the person that wants to know every step. I want to know the end from the beginning. I don't want to be surprised. Some people love, you know, I I don't like change. I don't like it when somebody comes in and they're like, well, everything's different now. Even like apps, you know, you get on Facebook and they moved everything around. You're like, where's the like button? I don't know how to like this kitten post anymore. You know, why did you change it? It was perfect. It was fine. I got used to it and now you've changed it. And if it was up to me, everything would still be like 1990s computer technology. Windows 3.1, you know what I mean? How many of you remember Windows 3.1? Windows 95, right? DOS. Anybody use DOS? How many of were old, right? I actually am in that generation that didn't have computers, got computers, and now I'm, I'm, I'm in the old fart status where I don't know how to work stuff anymore. Anybody with me here? People hand me technology, I'm like, how do you do it? What do you do? I actually poked my TV the other day because I thought that it... <laughs> Everything else works like this. Anyways, I don't like change. And I have a problem with it. Sorry, I'm scaring babies. I do shout. I'm a shouting preacher. Um, I, I don't always like change. And, and I actually like fear it. You know, I, I could fear it uh, sometimes. But, but the reality is change isn't always bad, is it? A lot of times change is good and, and we have to change you know, I think in marriage, it's very interesting because wives marry their husbands expecting and hoping and wanting them to change. Husbands marry their wives hoping they don't, you know what I mean? <laughs> and so then both, neither gets what they want, right? It's like, <laughs> men are like, save, you know, what are the difference between men and savings bonds? Savings bonds eventually mature. As a man, I can attest to this. I've actually, gotten, I've actually become less ma- mature as I've gotten older, right? I, the kids tell lots of jokes about the bathroom and, you know, passing wind, breaking wind, whatever it's called. I'm trying to not say the word, you know, the F word in church. I'm not going to say it. And, uh, <laughs> and I laugh hysterically. My wife's like, really? You know, no, I'm sorry, babe. I'm just getting less mature. So change, you know, change can be a scary thing. Sometimes we want other people to change. We don't necessarily want ourselves to change. But with change, the question that really matters is, is it, is it a good or a bad change, right? Because change can be hard. It can be difficult, but it can also be worth it, right? Like, I hate moving. I don't like to move. Anybody, like, just hate that process of moving? What do you mean? We have to pack all our stuff up. We have to load it in a boxes and, like, slam it in a truck. And everybody's touching, my, you know, my stuff. And you know, and, and we're moving somewhere. And I don't always like that, but when you're moving from one place to another and it's an improvement, then it's a good change, right? I remember a couple of years ago, a tree fell on the house that we were living in and, and we had to go in and pack up and, and move out of this house. And a bunch of you guys, you know, w- w- helped us move and that was really awesome. And it was worth it because the place we were moving from was less good than the place we were moving to. The place we were moving to didn't have a tree on top of it. So that was a, an added bonus. Uh, but change can be really good. How many of you like the show Extreme Home Makeover? Anybody like that? It's kind of old. Do you guys have that picture for me? Is that loaded in there, Daniel? Yeah, so you know the bus, right? And what's the line that they shout? Bus driver! Bus, right? And I don't have a, you were hoping it would be a reveal. I only added one picture just to mess with you today. 
you'll never know what's behind it. Um, seriously, I, I did it on purpose. So Extreme Home Makeover, they, they come in and they change everything, right? They mess with all of their stuff, but it's always exciting, isn't it? Because when they do this big reveal, what they find out is that they've, they've done all this stuff. Now, what, why am I talking about change like this? See, here's the thing. When Jesus says in Matthew 4, 19, and he's calling his disciples, and by extension, he's calling us to follow him. He's saying, I'm gonna make you, I'm gonna make you fishers of men. And what that infers, what it implies is that what you are right now is not where you're, what you're going to be, that Jesus is going to change you. If you follow Jesus and you're expecting that you'll never have to change, you're missing something, right? If, we, if, we're, if, we're, if we're becoming a Christian or if you are a Christian and you think that this relationship with God is just static and that you're never gonna have to change, then you're wrong, right? Because God is an interactive, dynamic, living, relational being and he wants to invite you into that relationship and there is going to be change in the interaction as it goes on. And Jesus is telling his, he, these guys that he's calling to be his disciples, look, if you follow me, I'm gonna transform you. Right now you fish for fish, but I'm gonna change you and now you're gonna fish for people. But there's a process of change that we had, have to go through. But I want us to get a, a picture that when, when you go ahead and put that bus back up real quick, that when Jesus comes to you and says, I'm gonna make you something, I'm gonna change you, what he's doing is he's bringing the bus in front of your life. And he's saying, hold on a second. This might be a little uncomfortable. We might have to knock some walls down. We might have to get rid of some, your favorite carpet from the 1970s that's orange and shag and you know, all that. But, but when, when the bus moves, you're gonna really like what you see. Come on, how many of you believe that God's process of change that he wants to bring you and I through might be painful, it might be extreme, it might be more than we bargained for, but at the end, you're gonna be really excited about what he did. See, I, I'm really firmly committed to this idea. I believe that God knows me and what I was designed to do and who, I, what I was, and who I'm designed to be. He knows that better than I do. And so oftentimes I think that my, you know, my agenda and what I want out of life and the things I'm committed to and what I think, well, this would make me happy and this would, this would be what I want. I'm actually wrong and God actually knows what will give me satisfaction and fulfillment. Come on, are you with me? I think, oh, if I had a little bit more money, if I had, you know, if I was 15 pounds lighter, if, if I was, you know, really, really good at this skill or whatever, that would be what would fulfill me. And God says, hold on a second. Actually, I know you even better than you know yourself. Let me change you. Let me get into the, the intricacies of, of, of who you are and begin to, to work in you. It says in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20, God can do anything, you know, far more than you could ever imagine or guess or request in your wildest dreams. And he does it not by pushing us around, but by working within us, his spirit deeply and gently within us. Bethany and I were watching The Amazing Race, like one of the old seasons. We just watch the old seasons. We don't watch the new ones, but how many of you like The Amazing Race? Anybody? I love that show. It's the only reality show we watch. I love it. If you want to vote for me to go on The Amazing Race, I'll go. I'll do it. I promise. I don't even care about the million dollars. I just want to go on the race, right? And I'm going to U-turn people. If I get to the U-turn, none of this. No, we're not going to U-turn anybody. You're being U-turned. Come on. Anyways, in The Amazing Race, these, they, they had this challenge. They were in Singapore and they, they, had to, they could decide to go to one side of the challenge or the other side was basically get this massage. And I'm like, why wouldn't you choose the massage? When they got to the massage, I was like, now I know why they didn't choose that one. Because it was a deep tissue massage and the people were screaming in agony and then they were exfoliating their back and they were basically rubbing the skin off their back and then they cupped them, you know, with those hot cups. And they were like, ah, they were like shrieking and screaming. That's what God wants to do to you. Whoa. 
How many of you, if you hear this nice word, hey, hey, listen, Jesus wants to, he wants to change you. He, he, he's not going to push you around. He's just going to, his spirit deeply and gently within you. What, 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 the, what God wants to do is he wants to come into your life and he wants to give you a deep tissue massage and it could cause screaming and agony, right? <laughs> Deeply and gently. Yeah, he, he's moving slow, but he's moving everything, right? Like he's getting into the core of you and those knots of anger and those places of rage and those things where you're mad at people and unforgiveness. Come on, somebody. You know, the, the, those, the, that selfishness and that greed and that covetousness and that little thing inside of you that's ugly when somebody gets something good and you didn't get it and you're mad about it and, and you wish they didn't have it. In fact, you want them to be heard and all that stuff that exists inside of you. And when the Holy Spirit comes in, sure, he's, in, he's gentle, but he's in there really deep and he's working some stuff inside. This is what God wants to do in your life. But let me just tell you something. Why would we even allow God? Why would we even say, yes, change me? Come on, work on me from the inside out. Here's why. Because changed people change the world. Changed people have the ability to walk into a room and bring a different atmosphere into that place than existed before. You see, a changed person who God has begun to work inside of them and begun to get some of the nasty stuff out and put some good stuff inside can actually bring value when they walk into a meeting with city council people or walk into a business meeting and say, look, yeah, we could, we could get 2% more profit uh, in this situation, but if we have to trample upon the poor and the downtrodden in the process to do it, we shouldn't do it. But see, if you, all you think about is money, 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 and God hasn't changed you from the inside out, then you're going to do some, some stuff that's pretty nasty. If you're a teacher, if you're a principal, if you're, if you're a business owner, whatever it is that you do, if you will let God get on the inside of you, it's going to change the way you see the world and change how you operate in the world and change people, change the world. But there's a process of change that God wants to bring us through. And I want to, I want to walk you through this. It's out of Psalms 139. You know, sometimes the Psalms, I go into the, the book of Psalms and, and, Sometimes it's just so right on the nose of God speaking to me right from these ancient verses. And I, and I know that they weren't written directly to Jake Schmelzer in, in 2019. I understand that. But the Holy Spirit can activate and open up verses, illuminate them and speak to you, right? And I believe this passage is one of these things where I think this is a Psalm of David uh, where he's writing about this and he's talking about the process of change. And I believe this is a template. I believe it's a, a path that, that God uses to change us. He says, this is a prayer. He says, search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me, it says in a different translation, any wicked way, and lead me in the way everlasting. This is two verses, but it's absolutely loaded to the gills with good stuff. Search me, God, know my heart. Test me, know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any offensive way in me. Lead me in the way everlasting. This is the process of change. Number one, it starts with the search, the search. You know, asking this question, am I open for inspection, right? Am I, am I open for, for God to look into me and actually know me? Now, here's the reality. God can see right through you. He can search through you whether you're open to that search or not. God's like Superman. He's got x-ray vision. You know what I mean? And he can fly. That's pretty cool. Uh, how many of you think they'll be flying in heaven? I do, don't at me. Okay, so the Lord can look at you and he can see through you. He can search you. But the reality is he's a gentleman. The Holy Spirit's a gentleman. The Lord doesn't, he doesn't, doesn't search you without an invitation. He doesn't force his way into your life, okay? 
it's kind of like, imagine a doctor running down the street, just like grabbing people, throwing them in the back of the van and being like, you haven't had your health checkup and we're doing it today. You, you'd feel very violated. You know what I mean? Yes, it's probably good to get a checkup, but no, that's not how it works. You have to volunteer to go in, right? To get searched, to get checked. Are you open for inspection? You know, how many of you uh, go fly and you travel and you, you go through the TSA, right? Or you have to go through the security checkpoints. How many of you enjoy that? Anyone? If you said yes, that's weird, you know? <laughs> you need some change. I, I, you know, none of us really like that, but there's, we understand why we need to be searched. We understand why there's a checkpoint. We get why there's security. We understand that there has to be some regulations on what goes through and so on and so forth. And the reality is this idea of being open for inspection is volunteering and saying, Lord, I want you to take me through the x-ray machine. I want you to go through my baggage. Come on, how many of you believe we all are carrying around some baggage? And that baggage, we prefer to keep it tucked in and tucked away. I packed this bag how I wanted it packed. Lord, I put that unforgiveness in that spot. God, I put that I put that greed, God, I put that lust, I put it in a spot where it's underneath the, the thing, the other stuff, so you, you, nobody else needs to see it. So, so we don't need to go into my baggage. Come on, how many of you know we're carrying around baggage? Yeah, that's my past, and I haven't really dealt with it, what my dad did to me, what my mom did to me, how they abused me or rejected me, but you know what? I'm gonna go ahead and cover that up, and it snacks on top of that. We don't need to look here. Come on, our baggage. We're carrying around a lot of baggage and we want to cover it up and keep it packed away. And yet when you come to Christ, he's saying, step right this way. And he's going, putting on the gloves. <laughs> yes, nobody's ever heard the Lord described that way before. But Jesus wants to, he wants to search your baggage and he wants to make sure you're not carrying something bad. He, he wants to make sure you're not bringing something on the plane that could be a hurt to other passengers. Come on, he wants to make sure that you're not carrying something you don't need on this journey that he's called you to live I, I, and, and that process of inspection is not fun. I remember going through TSA in Miami airport. I don't think I'm allowed to fly through there anymore from this situation. We were on a, a band trip. Our band was going and playing a concert in Columbia. And uh, yes, I was in a rock band. And yes, we played in an arena. Pretty cool, huh? Didn't know that, did you? 25,000 people. None of them spoke English. So they didn't know what we were saying, but it was really cool. And my sister was shredding and I was headbanging. Anyways, on the way back from... Uh, on the way back from this concert, we're in the Miami airport and we were very tired. And this TSA agent, she decided that she was going to really take me, groom me you know, over the coals, bring me over the coals. And she's going through the bags. And so she's she digging through my bags and she, she pulls out these wire cutters. And what they were was they're my sisters. They were her uh, guitar string wire cutters to be able to change strings. And so she's like, what are these? You know, and I'm like, they're wire cutters you know what they are, you know? And, and, and she's like, well, why do you have them? And I explain, well, they're my sisters that are for a guitar. She's like, and, and she's basically calling me a liar and all this kind of stuff. And so finally I'm like, well, what do I need to do? Like, and I was really ticked and I, I should not have done this. Okay. So do not do as I do, do as I say. So finally I took the wire cutters and, and she's like, well, you can either, you can either like mail them to yourself or whatever, or you can throw them away. And there was a garbage can like 20 feet away. So I was like, fine. Uh, and I like chucked them. Now, normally I never make it. In this case, totally made it, right? So that was cool. It was like 20 feet away. Don't clap for me. It was bad behavior, right? So I throw them and it was like, doom, 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 doom. it like bounced into the garbage can. And, and uh, the moral of that story is I'm a bad person. That's all. There, that's the moral. But that process of searching and inspection is uncomfortable. It's irritating. It's not fun. 
But we have to go through it. And, and guess what? Even now, when I look back, I'm like, that lady was doing her job. She needed to make sure that I'm not a bad guy bringing something, a dangerous weapon or a tool that could be used as a weapon on this plane. Are we open for inspection? God wants to search you. He wants to, he wants to go through your baggage. And are you open to that inspection? Are you letting him in to do that search? Or are you always trying to conceal and hide? Because he's not going to force you to let you search him. He's not going to force you to let him search your life. But we want to be open for inspection. Now, take it another step further. Are you open for other people to search your life? Uh-oh. Do you mean that the Lord would actually use another fallen sinful human sometimes to help search your life and point out some things that are in your baggage that maybe shouldn't be there? Why, yes, he would. In fact, there's something deeply spiritual and, and, and something deeply humbling and, and powerful when you actually let somebody else who also is a mess deal with your mess. Uh-oh. <laughs> you see, this whole thing about church, it's not just that we all come together and we all have this like personal portal, you know, relationship sort of spiritual, you know, circle that, that goes up to God. And we're all here as a bunch of individuals. In fact, bring, God bringing us into this community, he wants us to sort of bump into each other and search each other and say, hey, I noticed that the way you speak to your wife, it's kind of rude, man. Like the way you talk to her, you treat her like, like a servant. You treat her like a dog. She's, she's, she's your life mate. God gave her to you as a gift. Like, bro, you need to check yourself, man. Like I'm, I'm, I'm looking in a little bit. I know it's uncomfortable because we're kind of looking in here, but like that attitude and what you're, how you're treating her is bad. Guys, do you have the, the cojones to, just speaking a different language, you translate how you want. Do you have the courage and the grace and the kindness to check one of your brothers and say, listen, I, I, I'm kind of performing a little search here. And guy, you know, guys, do you have the ability to let a friend check you like that? Come on. Ladies, what if, what if your girlfriend comes and says to you, hey, the way you're speaking to your husband, the way you're talking to your kids, it's, it's kind of, this is what it's doing. Don't tell me how to raise my kids. Okay, are we open for search? Because Jesus wants to change us. Why? Because he wants to make us something different than we are. And remember, it's like moving the bus. It's all good. When you get to see the end result of what God wants to do in your life, you're gonna be happy. Come on. Number two, second thing about change, this word no says, search me, O God, know my heart. What does your heart look like? The really important stuff, the reality. You know, character, I think Ralph Waldo Emerson was the one that said this, character is who you are in the dark. Character is who you are when no one is looking. Character is who you are when nobody's gonna give you an A plus or a gold star for doing the right thing. And maybe when even doing the wrong thing would result in some sort of short-term benefit for you. Character, integrity, doing something righteous, from the place of the heart is, is a difference, is what God wants from us. Really being able to answer this question to the Holy Spirit, Lord, know my heart, know it, know, me, know the real me, not the fake me, not the mask, not what I project to the world, but know what it really is, good and bad. Does God know your heart? What is that really important part, that deep part, the inward part of you really look like? And how many of you know, we are aware that we present something to the world that isn't accurate necessarily to what we are, okay? And I'm not advocating that we all immediately just like say everything that comes to our mind. I think that would probably go the wrong way uh, pretty quickly. But does God have access to the inward part? Does God know your heart? Does he see that really important stuff? Number three, test me and know my anxious thoughts. Anxious thoughts. Let me just talk about anxious thoughts here for a second. You know, a person who has, one, who has perfect faith will have no anxious thoughts. 
Because if you have perfect faith, you, you 100% trust in the providential treatment of God, okay? There was a man named Stonewall Jackson. He was a general in the Confederate army in the Civil War, Thomas Stonewall Jackson. And I'm a Civil War buff. I love studying Civil War. I study, you know, both sides, the history, the different guys and, and people, the stories there. Stonewall Jackson, he would suck on lemons. He was kind of weird, you know, weird dude. But he absolutely trusted in the providence of God. He, he believed that his times and seasons, his life was in the hands of God. So the guy would literally be sitting on a horse with that epic, awesome hipster Portland beard, even though he was in Virginia from the Civil War. And he'd be sitting on a horse, completely calm in the middle of a battle. So here's everybody screaming. There's, you know, Gatling guns and muskets and cannons are flying and arms are flying this way and legs this way. And, you know, it's like an action movie, but real life, I mean, everything's going crazy. And here's, here's Stonewall, you know, and his nickname came from there's Jackson standing like a Stonewall. He was sitting on his horse, totally calm, giving orders. Yeah, we need to do this. Yeah, we need to do this. And they said, what, what are you doing? How do you do that? He didn't even flinch. Musket balls would go through, like hit his hat, his coat. And, and what he would say is this, God has my, my death and my life are in his hands 100%. I'm as safe on the battlefield as I am laying in my bed. Now, you think about that, that wouldn't be me. I, I would be like not doing that. <laughs> how, how does he have, wh wh where does that come from? Some of you might say uh, mental illness, but others might say, okay, we don't have to deal with all of the theology of what he's saying, and I'm not defending the fact that he fought for the Confederates or anything like that. What I'm saying though is he didn't have an anxious thought because his, his faith his, his belief was stronger. He had perfect peace, trusting in the providence of God. And, and this is a, uh, th this thing about anxious thoughts, okay? A anxious thoughts are where we are believing that something in our life is outside of the control of God, like that we're believing something in our life could go a different direction. Do you hear what I'm saying? And I, I believe in free will. Like, I don't think God has like sorted out every single event. People say, oh, I have cancer, it's God's will. No, I don't believe that. I think cancer and sickness and death and bad things that happen are not God's will. I think they're actually counter to God's will, okay? And bad things do happen. Um, but, but, but here's the reality though. Even though we're living in a fallen world in which bad things happen, we can still trust in God that at the end of it all, even if we die, even if we, you know, like uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the fiery furnace, they said, it may be that we burn up, O king, but it doesn't matter because God is with us and we're still going to stand in faith. Like at the end of the day, even if you die in the fiery furnace, even if cancer takes you down, even if you get hit by a car and die, at the end of the day, if you trust in God, there's nothing that can actually take your eternal destiny out of his hands. Come on, you're safe in the hands of God. And so it allows you to live your life with faith and allows you to live your life with purpose. Okay, I know we're gonna get back to this word test, but what, what we're saying is, God, look at me, give me a test. Are there anxious thoughts in me? Have I turned over kind of the control uh, aspect of my life to my anxiety or am I trusting in a God who holds me in his hand? So your, your portion is peace. Your portion is calm. Your portion is not anxiety. If you're dealing with worry and anxiety and it's ruling over you, then what you need to say is, God, by your Holy Spirit, would you change me, test me? Do you see these anxious, anxious thoughts? Because I'm gonna put my faith in you. Faith is the antidote to anxiety. Faith is the antidote to uh, worry that takes you over and doesn't let you sleep at night. Faith doesn't, and it's not like you manufacture faith. It's just when you know my life is in God's hands. So he says, test me. And know my anxious thoughts. Test, test, test. I don't, that word test is kind of scary, isn't it? What, what we're asking here is, is there evidence of growth as you follow Jesus? You know, it's interesting. People are like, well, I've been following Jesus for 30 years. 
Yeah, but if you're still just as much of a selfish, religious, self-righteous jerk, then you don't have 30 years experience following Jesus. You have five minutes, 30 times. <laughs> you know, my dad used to make a joke. He'd say, there are some people that have 30 years experience. There are some people that have one year's experience 30 times. You know what I mean? It's like the person, well, I've been doing this for 30 years. Yeah, but you never grew from year one. You just repeated it over and over and over and over and over. It'd be like somebody going to high school and being like, well, I've been here. I'm a super senior. I've been here 20 years. I have a lot of experience. How many of you want somebody with less experience to hire into your business? Well, we actually prefer less experience. You're overqualified for this position. If you continue to repeat the 12th grade again and again and again, you're not getting more experience. You're failing, right? You're you're not growing. So this idea of a test, we use something called the SAT, right? Or a, a whatever, the exams that go on at the end of the year. You, you go through these, you take these tests to see, did I get the lesson that I needed to get in this season? And am I progressing? So we're saying, God, test me, know my anxious thoughts. If there's anxious thoughts, it's showing that I'm not growing in my faith. If there's anxious thoughts, if, if, I'm, if I'm, you know, wigged out about all this other stuff, that means I'm not really growing in this process of change. The Lord wants to, to test you in your life. And how many of you have been aware of the testing of the Lord in your life? Where he allows you to go through things, through difficult things, difficult people. And it tests you to see, is there evidence of growth? And I just want to tell you, when you follow Jesus, there, is, there always are tests. And let me tell you what goes on. The test gets harder to the level that you're at. This is why you can never develop spiritual pride if you're really in the Holy Spirit, because you never arrive. Can I tell you, I never, I've never arrived. I've never gotten to the point where like, now I'm a disciple of Jesus. Now I'm a pastor. Now I'm a man of God. And there's no more growth for me. No. Like, I feel like a rookie every day in my following of Jesus. How many of you feel completely unable to follow Jesus in your own strength? Like, welcome to Christianity, you know, because the test always goes up a level so that it's always an actual test. So when you start to like drop selfishness and start loving people, then all of a sudden the Lord's like, man, that's awesome. Like you're growing. That's incredible. But now you need to learn to be a generous giver. Yeah. What? <laughs> you mean that like being nice isn't the full mark of a Christian? No. Do you mean there's always more to, there's always more to do and more to see? Like, there's always more to grow in, absolutely, which makes it fun, but there's a test. Is there evidence of growth? All right, this is the process of change. And then this word, see, and I, I've talked about this a bit, but it says, see if there is any offensive way in me. God, look into me. I'm giving you permission to know me, to search me, to like, I'm all open. I'm on the operating table here. And now I want you to see. This means, am I living a see-through life? Am I living a transparent life? Are you transparent or are you, are you opaque, right? Are you, are you see-through? Can people see through you? Like, is there transparency and authenticity and vulnerability in you? Or are you always presenting a manufactured reality to the world? You see, in, in church, we need to be transparent about our, our, our flaws. We need to be transparent about our weaknesses. I have a pastor friend in town. He's a dear friend. I love him. He's one of the greatest guys in the whole world. And uh, he, I've been in ministry for a really long time. I grew up in, in church and I grew up in a pastor's home. So PKs is basically like you know, apprenticing in ministry. Like since I was like five years old, we talked about church, ministry, how to preach, how to do things, you know, like it's like in my DNA, you know what I mean? It's like the guy whose dad's a carpenter, but I'm in ministry. 
And so I know a lot about church and how to lead meetings and ministry and different things and different ways to preach. And you want to talk about superlapsinarianism, I can talk about it. Like I understand theology, you know, I, I, I've been in it for a while. And uh, you want me to swing a hammer? Like I will literally destroy your house. Like I have no skills that are cool or marketable. I can't fix cars. I don't have any action skills, none. But if you want to talk about obscure theology, I can. So my, my dear friend, you know, I, I joke with him. He's new, he, he's new in ministry. I said, hey, I'll teach you how to be, I'll help you be a pastor. You help me be a Christian. And you laugh at that. I mean, it's like, what? <laughs> but it's dead serious because his faith and his walk with the Lord is very pure and, and amazing. And honestly, I'm, a, I'm great at faking it. Amazing at faking it. And so I'm at least vulnerable enough to know that I am, right? And so I told him, hey, I'm going to be telling you what's in my heart. And I hope you still are my friend. <laughs> you know what I think, what, I, what goes on. And, and, and I'm going to help you be a pastor, but you help me be a Christian. And so we have this awesome relationship. We, we both work, you know, there's accountability, there's transparency. I go to my friend, I say, hey, this is what I did. This is what I thought. This is what I said. This is where my heart is. This is how I treated my wife this week. He asks me, he calls me, how you doing? And I know what he means. He, he wants to know those areas of weakness that I've confessed, that I've brought forward. Can I tell you how beautiful confession is? People think confession, okay, you know, I know that we're Protestants, we're not in the Catholic church. And I know some of you maybe come from a Catholic background, so you have different images or whatever, but there is something about that process of confession, not that you go talk to a priest or something, but something about opening your heart and saying, this is what is inside of me. And I want, you to, I want to challenge every one of us, find a safe person, a brother or sister in Christ that you can say, this is actually what's going on. And they see through you. There's no artifice. There's no fakeness. There's no hypocrisy. It's transparent. And be this way with the Lord. Live a transparent, see-through life. See if there is any offensive way in me. And this all works together, doesn't it? It all works together. This searching, the knowing, the testing, the seeing. And then the last one, and lead me in the way everlasting. Here's a question for you. Who's the boss? Who's the boss? Like at bottom level, when the decision gets made, who wears the pants in your life? Is it you or is it Jesus? See, when you accept Christ, you don't just get to say, he's my savior. You say, he's my Lord and savior. And when you take him in as Lord, when you take him in as savior, you have to receive him as Lord. Jesus does not save anyone that he does not lead. He can't do that. He can't separate himself. That'd be like saying to, you know, Bethany coming to me and being like, well, I'm your, I'm your, uh, uh, I'm your, you know, wife who lives with you, but I, but, but my intimacy goes to some other guy. What? How many of you wouldn't agree to that marriage? If it's not all, it's nothing. Come on. If it's not all, it's nothing. And yet many times we want to serve God with some, some of us and not all of us. And so when you go through this process of change, he's searching, he's knowing, he's testing, he's seeing, and he's, it's leading. Who's the boss in my life? It means letting him lead. In 1 John 5, 3, Jesus said, loving God means keeping his commandments. Loving God means keeping his commandments and his commandments are not burdensome. I was telling somebody this recently. I said, listen, the reason that we need to follow Christ and keep his commandments and live in righteousness is not because God will love us more if we do or love us less if we don't. He gave us these rules. He gave us these commandments because of his, the depth of his love because he's saying, this is how you were designed to live. This is where your potential and your purpose is found. We've got it wrong. We think that the commandments of God are meant to bum us out, to make us feel bad, to give us, to condemn us. They're not. The commandments of God are there to help us live the very best life and the most fulfilled and satisfied life we can. Loving God means keeping his commandments and his commandments are not burdensome, but you can't have love for God and not keep his commandments. See, if you come to the Lord and you, and you say, I'm just going to get in your wheelhouse right here. See, we live in a culture where we want to divide belonging 
and, and believing in all this stuff, we, we want to separate these things and, and say, well, you know, you can come to Jesus, but you don't have to change. You can just do whatever you want with your sexuality. You can do whatever you want with your money. You can do whatever you want with whatever you want. And the reality is that's not true. Just like the same way in a marriage, if your husband or wife said, you can have my time, but you can't, but, but, my, but our sex life, I'm gonna take that and go somewhere else. We wouldn't take that deal. Come on, are you with me? And yet we wanna come to the Lord and say, well, you can have an hour on Sunday mornings. You can have my intellectual assent that, yeah, there's a God. And yeah, I'll even read some, some Bible verses from time to time. But when God comes and says, yeah, but what about tithing? What about trusting me with your, your finances? <laughs> yeah, but what about your sex life? What about what you do all alone by yourself? What, what about the way you think and treat other people? What about the way you treat people when they're not? What about the way you talk about people that you live with, you know, coworkers and things when they're not around? What about all of your life? And then it's like, well, <laughs> I'm a Christian. Well, are you? Because loving God means keeping his commandments and his commandments are not burdensome. Now listen, you go, well, are you talking about legalism? No, I'm talking about authenticity, integrity of life talking about a cohesion in following Jesus, that when you follow Jesus, it should go into every aspect of your life. And it's a process of change. So I'm not saying you gotta be perfect now, I'm saying, are you open to the Lord changing you into the person that he wants to change you into? And listen, change always starts with the gospel, the good news that Jesus changes us. We don't change ourselves. Come on, you can't change yourself. You might be hearing this message, you're like, I want to love God. I wanna follow his commandments. But if you go home today and you try to put this into play without grace, without Jesus actually being the generating force, you're, not, you're gonna fail miserably. Come on. When we try to keep the law without grace, without the gospel message, without Christ, his, his work in our life, we're gonna totally fail every time because human change is about fruit removal. Human change says we need to pick all the fruit off this tree, but God-oriented change, God's kind of change is about root renewal. We wanna pick fruit off a tree God wants to dig up the tree and plant a new one. He wants to change you from the inside out so that the inclinations and the behaviors and the, the, the directions and the trajectories of your life are different than they were before. It's very different. And what, how does that happen? It happens as Jesus changes our heart. And I can tell you right now, again, like Extreme Home Makeover, you will like what you see when the bus gets moved. Come on, how many of you that have allowed the Lord to change you and are on a journey of change say, I love it when Jesus changes me. It hurts sometimes. When he's digging in, he's like, ow, oh, you hit that. I thought that was a good part. You can leave that part. He goes, no, we kind of need to redo all of it. <laughs> no, 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 no. But I liked, I'm not that greedy. I'm not that lustful. I'm not that whatever. And he goes, ah, I love you so much. I'm not going to leave any dry rot in you. I'm going to dig all those roots up. Come on, somebody. I'm going to get down into the dirt. I'm going to get down into the depths. I'm going to get down to the wounds. I'm going to get the stones that have been in those, that root system for, for years. I'm going to get down into the, the dark places in your life that no one's ever even seen. Maybe that you don't even realize. And all of a sudden the Holy Spirit brings things up and he's digging stuff out. And you're like, geez, I didn't even know that was down there. And then he says, look, but I'm planting this beautiful new thing and all the soil is ready. Come on, how many of you want to live a life like that? Where God has dealt with those things on the inside it happens when we trust Jesus. Jesus opened his heart to us. We can open our heart to him. And when we do that, we become a changed person and change people, change the world. Amen? Let's pray. Father, right now, we welcome you. Holy Spirit, we welcome you in this place. I pray, Lord, that you would come in like a rushing, mighty wind. 
pray that you would come in and begin to clarify and reveal in each and every one of us areas that you want to change. Lord, not from a place of legalism or performance, but a place of grace, a place of peace, where you begin to remove our anxious thoughts and we just trust you and say, I believe, God, every, every part of me that you take over, that, you, that you, your kingdom expands and advances and where I decrease, Lord, it's gonna be good. You're not gonna erase me. You're going to bring me into who I'm supposed to be. You're not gonna take anything good. You're not gonna, you're not gonna be harsh. You're, you're always good. You're gonna bring peace. You're gonna bring uh, clarity in my life. Lord, we open up our hearts, search us, test us, see us, know us, lead us, change us from the inside out. We're open to you, Jesus. This morning, if you're here and you wanna become a follower of Christ, I'm gonna start this process of change. You know, Pastor Jake, I, I, don't, I don't want fake religion. I don't want, I don't want, but I don't wanna live in my sin. Like I, I want the real Jesus and I want his grace and life and love. If that's you today, would you just raise your hand? Let's bow our heads and close our eyes. And if that's you, would you just raise your hand? Pastor Jake, I want Christ. I wanna put my faith and trust in him. Amen, amen. Let's pray this prayer together, all of us. Dear Jesus, I confess my sin to you. I thank you for your grace and mercy revealed to me at the cross where you gave your life for me. I give you my life. I ask you to be my Lord and my Savior. Put all of my trust in you. In Jesus' name, amen.